2: Hello everyone and welcome back to 2022's last episode of Rival Recon as the Reds look to end the year on a high. I'm Harry Sethi. With news of the imminent arrival of Cody Gakpo and rumours of a new midfielder swirling, three points just before the start of 2023 would be the ideal late Christmas present as the Reds look to close in on the top four. On today's pod, we'll be focusing in on the upcoming game against Leicester City, looking to get a better idea as to exactly why the club's progress appears to have stalled in recent seasons and what Rodgers can do to turn the trend around. Joining me to lend us his insight into all things Leicester, I'm happy to welcome on freelance journalist for TalkSport, BT Sport amongst others, Jamie Thorpe. Welcome on, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Good to speak with you. We're chatting very briefly ahead of the pod um, about the current uh time that we're in uh the lull that, that happens sort of post post christmas boxing day in between new year's where everything sort of goes up in the air a little bit um and so naturally yeah sort of sandwich football into that as well <laughs> as is as is the way uh with sort of football appearing uh on every sort of day that you're not expecting um nowadays anyway. certainly with the world cup having ended uh yeah, well only a couple of weeks ago it feels it feels quite strange to be back into the swing of things already, but there's already been a game on games on Boxing Day, and I want to get you on just to just to give the listeners a bit more insight into really where where Leicester City find themselves at the moment. Because I think there's probably a whole bunch of assumptions that fans have from from the outside in, looking at sort of where the club is, maybe the, pro- the progress or progress that haven't been made under under Rodgers over the past season or so, um, and just looking at the quality of the squad as well. But just before we go into this season. Uh, you know, just quickly casting your mind back to last time round, sort of finishing eighth overall, um, get to the quarterfinals of the EFL Cup. Um, but just wanted to sort of ask you what your thoughts were on last season, uh, and where you thought things ended up, and sort of how that set your expectations for what the the the, the side should be sort of hoping for this time round.
3: Yeah, um, I think in terms of our league position, eighth was. Um again, a pretty good season all, all, all around. I think given where we sort of find ourselves in the in the footballing pyramid, as it were, to just sort of be challenging that um, the more established elite is more or less where we wanted to be aiming for. Um, we'd obviously have the two preceding years where we got very, very close to breaking into the top four um, and arguably should have done on both occasions, falling out on the final day. Um, so I think we were sort of hoping for more of the same, but realised that without consistent ability to, you know, to be challenging around that, that we're not going to do it every year. Um, you know, things, especially in football, it's a, it's an unpredictable beast by nature. Um, but then obviously we had, um, we had a very disappointing European campaign, dropping out of the um, Europa League much earlier than anyone would have anticipated, and then ultimately, you know, we were in the Conference League and, and Leicester were favourites to win it, Um, so and we went out to Roma, who of course went on to win it, but ultimately, that's the sort of competition that we should have been, we would like to have won, we probably should have won, I think we were hamstrung by a horrendous injury run, um, as I'm sure um, Liverpool fans can appreciate given their record over the past few years (laughs) as well, Um, but obviously we had that um,
1: FA Cup win Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Um, as well back in, you know,
3: which is sort of, there's the gloss from that is not going away anytime soon as well. Um, so all in all, the last few years have been a bit of a, it's been, it's been a bit of a mad ride for Leicester. We were in a very strange position in that whilst we've done incredible work and the progress that we've made under Rodgers is, is fantastic, there's still, it's still sort of tinged with disappointment. There's a slight disappointment. We haven't done better in Europe. There's obviously the disappointment of this season. So, so we're in a bit of a weird transition period where I think this is going to be a make or break season um, in the in the overall trajectory of the club.
2: Yeah, that's the reason sort of why I asked because it's, it's an interesting one because I think as you mentioned, you putting everything into context in terms of, sort of the commercial power of the clubs around you and the ones that you're you're looking to compete with to break into that top 4 um i think it should, that should always be understood i think as well as uh, as well as um you know you mentioned there some of the development you've seen under rogers but then yeah, those 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 seasons where you nearly sort of um, sort of finished in the top 4 how has that sort of adjusted expectations amongst the fan base I mean, like you mentioned there i think it's you know, FA Cup win. The glosses are going to go for, from that for a while. There's been sort of a lot of development to be happy with, and then as you mentioned, some areas where you, you feel like the club could have kicked on. Just in terms of um, where where you'd look at and, and, and sort of apportion sort of the reasons why it's been tough to sort of make that next step. Um, I mean, usually that this falls into two areas, right? Isn't it that people go, "Oh, the recruitment's not been good enough" or whatever? Or, We're not spending enough money. Actually, probably three areas. Oh, injuries, (laughs) ridiculous injury crisis. As you mentioned, Liverpool fans well aware well aware of that recently. Uh, Or it falls at the manager's doors, and the manager's not doing what he needs to do. He's not 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 helping us kick on, making that next step. Where do you think the fan base is at the moment in terms of sort of like who they're looking at as the reason why the club hasn't quite been able to make that next step?
3: um i think you touched on it in terms of transfers um given less how less we've operated in the past few years we, we lose a key player every year um for big money and then the pressure is on to basically reinvest that wisely um and i think in previous years we've done that very well you know we've we've lost harry maguire um ben chilwell um Rian mahrez for, and, and gola kante for a for big money but we've managed to put that into players like Wilfred Ndidi, and, and we had Chagar Sonunchu, who was, you know, who was excellent when he first arrived. Um Yuri Tilleman. So so we have invested it well. Now the problem comes when we don't invest it well. And I think when you look at our obviously i probably something that you were going to touch into, but the, the transfer window last year um was you know, almost a almost a you guys calling it an unmitigated disaster. Um we bought in Samara Ray from Lille who had just you know won their first league one title in however many years and um, he was player of the year over there brought him in for 20 million euros you think that's a that's not a bad signing and he's been poor um struggled to struggled to adjust Patson Dacca has shown it in flashes but then we had the the duo disasters from Southampton Yannick Vestergaard was was probably one of the worst signings we've had in 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 well over a decade and Ryan Bertrand who's played what three or four games as well even though he was a free that's a disaster. So overall, the strength of the squad, it's it's been it's been hit pretty hard. And I think when the problem that we find is that I think the teams in the top six, for example, you know, the, the traditional big clubs, if they have a bad window, which I think some have, like you look at Man United, for example, it doesn't necessarily impact them as hard because they can go in the next window or, they, or you know, even the window after that and still recover their position. Whereas we, that knocks us back five six positions suddenly your are pulling powers less you you're not as attracted to other teams and you spiral like that and I think that's what we're paying the price for this season to be honest um, and obviously we had a very poor summer window this year as well in, in that we didn't sign anyone of note until the last until the last day so it's uh, yeah I think that you can attest it a lot down to the manager sure mm. um, he's the one that, took, that has taken a great portion of the blame this year um, but ultimately we've been we've been let down by our recruitment um, in in terms of being inactive or simply not bringing in the right profile of player.
2: Yeah, and I think it, when you when you're mentioning there sort of sort of the the ability that some some clubs have to to make mistakes in the window or you know not invest as much and then sort of go back go again the next time round. Yeah, it's, it's been a discussion that I think Liverpool fans have had as well. Just around, I mean, obviously, sort of you're dealing with sort of some some quite heady heights in terms of sort of transfer windows and things like that, mm-hmm. but um yeah i think it's yeah, certainly when we've been discussing the likes of city being able to just just write off an a hundred million pound player who doesn't necessarily set the world <laughs> alight yeah that's that, that's something that would definitely i know set liverpool back a number of um seasons because we just couldn't you just couldn't shift them on so i know exactly what you're saying about that those mistakes have even higher consequences when you're sort of tr- trying to break into that sort of group as well we mentioned the this summer window because i won't, won't talk too much about sort of the last time around. I think you've, you've covered that nicely with sort of the, the way in which certain players haven't quite settled. Um, and also sort of, yeah, just the bizarre sort of signings, I thought of Vestergaard and, and, Bertrand really. But this time round, uh, sort of Fafana departing really late on, obviously, a, a highly rated young defender, gone through injury problems, but, yeah, you know, was, looks a really promising talent. Obviously departed to Chelsea for around 80 million euros. Um the other departure I'm interested in sort of discussing as well, um, again, very different end of his career, Casper Schmeichel, uh, at the age of thirty-five, um, heading off to Nice. That seemed to be I me mean, from from the outside and that seemed to sort of be around sort of maybe a disagreement that he had with coaches or whatever at the club. And I just wanted to to, to get your opinion on losing I mean, yes, somebody who's coming towards the end of their career, but losing somebody who was such a, you know, a big figure in the dressing room um, into the cast of Schmeichel, uh, the, the number one for such a long time. Uh, Danny Ward trying to sort of fill fill his boots there. But, I mean, what's your thought on that departure? And is, is, is there a need, you need to, to strengthen there further?
4: Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. before every Premier League match week, and then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye bye.
3: Yeah, it was it's a big loss, isn't it? Because Schmeichel what he brought on the field was was obvious. I think I think that as a as a goalkeeper for Leicester he'd been phenomenal you know been with us for a decade or so um had been with us all through that rise from you know in the the championship days through to winning the Premier League and the Champions League journey etc so but on the pitch fantastic shot stopper I know in the last couple of years he'd drawn a bit of criticism for his command of the area that was waning a bit and and his distribution was a bit inconsistent but overall he was still A brilliant keeper who could pull a moment out of the hat so he he, he had a big save in him which I think when you're at Leicester's level where one goal either way could make such a huge difference to the to a game that was massive Um, but it was his influence off the pitch that I think we've we've really lacked and really lost especially when things have started to go wrong you look to your senior figures and and if you look at players actually on the pitch who are at that leadership level Johnny Evans is perpetually injured. Um Jamie Vardy's obviously not playing as regular as as you'd like. Mark Albrighton's not playing at all. So your most senior players are probably the likes of James Madison and Yuri Tillemans who have only, you know, they're they three or four seasons in, but they're not they're not stalwarts of the club by, by any by any stretch yet. Um, so to lose that was massive and, and Danny Ward obviously, you know, he's been a number two goalkeeper for the majority of his career. Obviously we bought him from yourselves. Um he's come into Leicester, he's played Cup games, um and he's had yeah, he's had some good games in the cup, but when you're playing you're not you're not playing Premier League football week in, week out. You're always going to struggle, I think, when the when the when the spotlight's on you. And and boy did he struggle. <clears throat> um he was atrocious for a few games, like absolutely horrendous. And was a big part of why we struggled so hard at the start of the season. Obviously the second half of the season, he's he's recovered. I think anyone that plays that's listening and plays fancy football will know how much his <laughs> his points per million have, um, have shot up in the second half of the season um, but yeah we, we, we've we lost that lost that influence and at a time when we're going to need big characters to sort of guide um, we've got some good young players coming through for example um, I think that was a big loss but yeah there were uh, you touched on it there were rumours that um, it was a contractual thing. Um, this is obviously all this. None of this is. A, I wouldn't take any of this as a bible. But he, he you know, there were rumours that he wanted an extension of his contract for a couple of years on on a reasonable amount of money that the club simply weren't weren't prepared to pay. Um, and it was best to let him leave on good terms. And you know what? Fair play to him. You've you, you got to let him. Uh, got let. He's earned the right to go do what he wants to do at this stage in his career. And I think the weather in Nice is significantly nicer than in Leicester at this time of year. So I can't say I blame him.
2: No exactly, yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm I am i am all for players choosing those uh those destinations as as they come towards the end of their career. I've I've been particularly enjoying uh Sesk uh sort of last few moves, Monaco for a little bit, yeah, you know, nice with the family growing up and then why not Como F C? You know, why not Como F C just around the lake? <laughs> so that would be something a great time. He's feet up a little bit, hasn't he? So I can't yeah, him at all. It does it does sound very nice. Just kick a ball about a little bit, but also just live. Live round Lake Como, quite nice. Um, getting into this season, then I mean, just having looked just purely at the results, then I mean, you saying really tough opening stretch of of, of of fixtures that I'm sure obviously put on results in terms sort of the, the pressure that it put on the club. Um, sort of losing seven of the opening ten games, winning just once as a home game against Forest, who have also sort of really struggled despite sort of signing the entire. Entire European market of um, of players this season. Um, I mean, are there uh, just just give us your thoughts on what you've made of that of that opening stretch? Clearly, really difficult period to to go through, um, and maybe pick out a couple of games in there that you think uh, maybe maybe highlighted the issues that you've seen so far this season, um, or, or or maybe some of the games where you think actually the result was you know, pretty harsh in the end.
3: Yeah, it was. I mean, the first game at home to Brentford, uh, we went in at half time 2 0 up and we were absolutely coasting. Um, it was one of those where, you know, you're having, I was having a beer with my brother in law at half time and just chatting to him saying, oh, you know what, could be a pretty good season play like this. We got Dewsbury Hall had scored his first, first goal early on in the season. It was an absolute banger as well. So, you know, they were scoring good goals. Madison was purring. It looked like you had a, had a chance at, kicking on and thinking, all right, okay, put last season behind us and get some momentum. This is good. And then we just utterly, completely capitulated. I think Brentford grabbed a goal out of out of nowhere um, with their first real attack of the game. And then it was like the players all had a collective head loss and you were looking around going, they're going to score again here. This is inevitable. Like, and, and if anything, Brentford should have won the game. They, we ended up drawing two all, but they could have won it. And you were thinking the way in which they sort of folded after conceding a goal was unbelievable. Um, we went to Arsenal and conceded four. Again, very similar. vibe. played okay, conceded a goal. All at sea. Um, same with Southampton. Um, and then we went on a bit of a run of fixtures against, you know, like Chelsea and United. Tottenham put six passes, which is particularly painful. Um, but I think the worst game for me in that opening stretch was the Brighton game. Um, Brighton were obviously flying high at the moment, at, at that time, doing really well under Graham Potter. Um, and I think I was I was I was away for this game, so I was watching it on holiday and really, really wishing I wasn't, because we were just nowhere to be found. They they ended up running out 5-2. Um, it was a game against a team that you'd really be considering to be in your bracket, um, you know, of, of teams looking to break into the top sort of eight of, yeah. in the country. And we were just blown away in every single department. We couldn't get hold of the ball. They were scoring goals for fun from seemingly anywhere. And you were looking at it going, we're in big trouble here. At this point, we're bottom of the table. Um, and you, you're thinking where is your next win going to come from? Um, fortunately, our East Midlands rivals decided to be in a pretty generous mood by show, turning up with one of the most abject as I've ever seen um, and letting us run out 4 nil winners. But it, up until that point, you were very, very concerned. And the calls for Rogers's head had, had grown um, with good reason at that point because, you know, you, you can't lose that many games at the start of a season and regain momentum it, it, it very rarely happens so you could see the reason why the fans were fans were getting antsy but just, but just quickly I mean because you mentioned Wesley Pofana, um a, a, a little while back and I, and I think you can't understate the effect of that 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 had on the club yeah the way that he went about trying to get his move away you know he was Pretty playing some weird games on social media. It was pretty obvious what he wanted. I think there was rumours that he had made his feelings clear internally and there was all this uncertainty. And and at a club like Leicester, where you've got a tight-knit squad, um, there's a, there is a very good atmosphere there. If you've got a player like that doing acting in such a way, that will destabilise the club. I, th- I think that's what disappointed me most about him leaving, actually, is the manner in which he's done it. It was obvious that his ceiling was beyond us. But to sort of posture and try and force the club at, into selling at a time when they really didn't want to was was very disappointing. But yes, ultimately, first half of the season was was diabolical and um, really did put me off watching them, to be honest.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I can imagine. And uh, I, mean, I mean, just looking at sort of again, sort of how the results maybe turned a little bit. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm looking here at sort of around sort of the twentieth of of November and sort of a nice stretch of green and just sort of some of the winds that started coming out. I mean, what what did you think was the big turning point there in terms sort of being able to put some points on the board, turn things around somewhat uh, towards the end of last year? Oh, this year, yeah. God, oh, this year. Just. Yeah,
3: yeah. Feels, like, feels like a different decade, to be fair. It was a bit of a strange one, really, because we brought in a set-piece specialist coach. I mean, our record from set-pieces was, you know, the graphic you'd see on Sky Sports every game um we were by far and away the worst in the league every corner that we would concede at home was met with groans from all four corners of the ground thinking oh god here we go again um and suddenly we were we were much tighter we were much sharper we weren't conceding from every single one um and i think that gave the basis of a bit more confidence in the side ward gained in confidence and started making some big saves commanding his area and it just sort of grew from there um I think a lot of it can be put down to the form of James Madison, to be honest, because he is when he is on on his game, he is nigh on unplayable, um, and he was conjuring moments from from nowhere that were sort of dragging us through games and giving the team a bit of confidence. Um, but we we obviously had a nice run of fixtures as well, playing Forest, Palace, Leeds, um, and a struggling Wolves side, and putting in fairly good performances, especially against Leeds and Wolves. Um, we had an excellent. Sounds a bit strange to say, but we had an excellent performance when we lost one nil to Man City. Um, I'm not sure if you can remember, but it was a, a De Bruyne free kick that separated us on the day, which was, yeah. you know, no goalie gets near that in my in my view. Um, and I, so it was just it was just confidence breeds confidence, um, and that was what we were showing. We were sort, we were turning up, being a bit more positive, moving the ball quicker, and and we sort of settled into a bit more of a of a regular side as well. Um, and it is football can be as fickle as that. I think, especially when you're in this league, when you're struggling, just a couple of good results and you're on your way. Um, but to go unbeaten at seven was 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 very surprising.
2: Yeah, sort of much welcome as well. And I'm just I just reading some just some quotes here around uh, sort of obviously the game that we just most recently seen on Boxing Day. Newcastle continuing to sort of fly fly very high at the moment. Uh, second place in the league sort of ran out sort of three nil winners. Uh, on the day. Um, and uh, again, I think, um, some of the, some of the quotes from Rogers after the game are talking about what, individual errors, um, some sort of poor defensive sort of structure, um, poor mentality as well. Um, actually sort of alluding to some of the stuff that maybe you'd seen at the start of the season and, 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 yeah. ho- and hope to get away from a little bit. Obviously, games around this time of the, of the season are, are always quite strange, I think, in terms of sort of trying to make any massive judgments about performance level, especially after this, um, this weird World Cup break that we've had as well. Um, but I think it did definitely highlighted the need, as you, you talked about there. I think fans have been talking about around the need to make, you know, maybe some signings this window. I think it's potentially going to be a more active window for quite a few clubs than we're used to seeing. Maybe that World Cup break is, um, partly responsible for it as well. Um, it looks as though there's potentially quite a lot of business to be done. I think, uh, Rogers mm. has definitely said as much. Um realistically, you know, given sort of the time, given the window, I mean, where do you think are the areas that really need to be uh, invested in if the site's going to get um, sort of kick on?
0: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. Huh. This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere.
3: Yeah, I, I think if we if we had to just make one signing, I'd, I'd want a centre-back. Um, right, OK. It's where we're thinnest by my... I mean, D- Daniel Amati is something of a cult figure at Leicester because he's been thrust... He's not a centre-back by trade, but he's been starting there almost week in, week out, when we've mm-hmm. had bad injuries and players, obviously not not performing to the level you'd expect. Um, And he's now, you know, him and Woot Fars are our first-choice pairing, and to be fair, to, not to be disrespectful to, to Marty, he's not good enough for a team in our position to be there every week. He's, he's got it in him to drop a 7-8 out of 10, but he's also got it in him to be a 3 out of 10. Yeah. And you never know with Big Dan what you're going to get. <laughs> and that you can't rely on Week in week out, so I've got a number
2: Johnny- of uh, uh, sort of Ghanaian friends as well, um, and watch the World Cup with them. Um, with them, and I can I can tell you that you're you're you are not alone in uh, <laughs> sort of their views of Big Dan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah,
3: I mean, I I love you know, don't get me wrong, I love the guy to bits, and I think he's a very, I think he's a very nice bloke as he well. Is. But I mean, it's just. It- He's just one of those that your heart's in your mouth whenever he's near the ball. Um, and you never quite know which way you're going to go. So, And I think with Johnny Evans, his injury problems, uh, he's got another one, um, and out-calf injury. He's struggled massively over the past two seasons, three seasons. So I think his influence, you've, you've almost got to write him off and just say, if he can play, then it's a bonus. But you can't plan around him being fit. Um, so that just leaves those the two that I mentioned. And then Wilfred indeed is cover, which is, again, he's not sent out by trade. And for a team that you know want to be have aspirations of, of challenging for the top six, you can't be having a makeshift bank pairing. It just doesn't work. Um, so we you know, we desperately need some cover there. Um, and then it's wingers. We've never ever ever replaced Riyad Mahrez. Um, I, I, obviously, I don't don't think anyone will ever replace him to the same extent. But we've 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 tried and failed with a couple of players now to to replicate even close to what he did, and we've we've failed. So we've got Harvey Barnes on the left who is you know has it has it in him to be absolutely fantastic but he has no competition um james madison's been playing off the right but again if he's injured who do you bring in um so there's no depth in our attack at all um and i think that the club will be looking to refresh the whole attacking unit to be honest um rogers doesn't have faith in Acho for whatever reason um pats and is still very raw vardy's sadly looks like he's not you know he's on the way out almost over the next couple of seasons will be phased out so there we do need to strengthen that pretty quickly um it baffles me still why we didn't sign Adam ola um we had an option to buy him after his loan yeah. last year on the cheap um but with the financial constraints that we were under um being as bad as they were i guess that our hands were tied um but we've been linked with Jeremy Boger who Lookman has replaced at Atlanta so I don't really that doesn't fill me with confidence either so it's, it's a big window we've got a new head of recruitment in Martin Blubber um, who has got a very good record at, at his previous club so let's just hope that he can do a Leicester and pull some gems out of a, <laughs> out of the hat.
2: And you mentioned one player there who's obviously been absent recently through, through injury uh, and of course it was quite sad for him as well, given sort of the format he was in leading up to the World Cup and sort of in- getting included within the, the World Cup squad only to get it sort of injured um in the lead up, James Madison. Um mm. uh does there appear to be sort of any doesn't appear to be any sort of timeline on when he's or when he's expected back. Clearly sort of a hugely influential figure in the in, in the side. Uh is there any news on that, Do you know?
3: Um the the comments made um after the Newcastle game were that there was no timeline um, and to be honest, it didn't sound like they had a clear diagnosis. It's, it's his knee, again, that he picked up, as you mentioned, just before the World Cup. But it doesn't sound like the medical staff actually know exactly what's up with him yet, which is massively concerning because that, with a knee, you, you're looking probably three to four weeks at a minimum anyway, mm-hmm. let alone an undiagnosed knee injury. Um, the only benefit of that, of course, would be if he's injured over the whole of January, it means he can't leave. Um, but we've got some pretty big games in that time that we we, we need him around for. Um, and we are less of a team without him. I mean, he's our best player. Um, I don't think that there's anyone that can disagree with that. Um, and when he's on song, we often are on song too. So to to miss a player of his stature, as again, in an area where we are light, is going to impact us hugely. And, um, yeah, the fact there's no news is, um, is deeply concerning.
2: Yeah, and I think, again, Liverpool fans well aware of, Just the way in which clubs can handle injury news. Oh, it's a knock. Oh, yeah, it's some bruising. Oh, he felt something. (laughs) And then you you get you get tidbits, and (laughs) these players are out for months.
3: That could be anywhere from two to nine weeks. You just you never really know what what you're getting from that, do you?
2: No, exactly. Yeah, no, it's happened a number of times with Henderson and uh, and Thiago. Certainly, oh god, he's he's felt something, has he? Okay, great. Well, we're not going to see see that guy again for a while. Uh, same with cater I suppose. But um, looking at the, the game itself then, just uh, briefly before we wrap things up, I mean, uh, we have t- already talked about how games at this time of year do tend to be quite strange. Um, you see, see sort of sides that are a bit depleted in, in certain areas or maybe lacking a cohesion coming back from a tournament like the World Cup as well, for those who did leave. Um, ha- given sort of the situation that they in, some of the players who are missing uh, as you said, sort of the, the, the desire for a come on new signings as well. I mean, how, how do you think uh, Rodgers is going to approach um, a game away to Liverpool? Again, sort of knowing that again Liverpool are not firing on all cylinders yet um, by any stretch as well. I mean, how, how do you expect uh, Leicester to approach it?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think that games against Liverpool for us are always slightly interesting because we know there's no expectation on us at all, which is which is almost quite nice in a weird way. Um, and we do there never seems to be in between with our games we'll either get absolutely battered or we might just surprise people Um, I mean I'm not optimistic I think that we're going to have to try to play much more on the counter which is again something that you you guys are used to Um, I think with our obvious weakness at centre-half certain players who have got the ability to cross a ball in your team might be quite important Um, but I mean if you look last year I mean we got we played, um, you guys, at a very similar time. It was, I think, we played on the 28th. Uh, we'd just come off a boxing day hammering Man City and we managed to somehow grab a 1-0 <laughs> win and arguably in our, one of our best performances of the season. So you never quite know um, what's going to happen. I think that if anyone's going to be have a big say on it, it'll be uh, Harvey Barnes, I think, with us playing on the counter, him up against Alexander-Arnold, if he can get the best of him then you never know. Um, obviously, that's a big if. As I, I'm well aware that I'm clutching it. Um, fairly thin straws here. But it's it's just going to be one of those where hopefully because there is no pressure on us and no expectation for a result, that actually the, they can go out and try and play with a little bit more freedom. Um, but it, we've got to acknowledge that it's going to be very, very tricky for us. I think after your, after your last game where there seemed to be a number of players hitting some good form. And if Nunes can hit the door with a handful of rice in this game then I think we could be in for a long afternoon
2: Yeah I think it's it's interesting when you use because I've been quite happy with just the general level of chaos um, that he seems to create to be <laughs> honest there's quite like, something something like very uh, very human about it to, to, to be honest that this guy comes on yeah. and sort of hurls it,
3: him He's it, it, one of those players I think from, from my point I know that he's been the target of a bit of a social media pile-on yeah. which I think from his position and and your guy's position as a club you know the you, you, people are always going to take the easy shot when it's there of but course it's, such, it's it's the old adage and it's such a cliche but he is getting into those positions and he's having those chances and I think it's only a matter of time before they start going in isn't it I mean it's this isn't going to carry on forever um he's too good a player to to keep passing up options like that and and I think some of the chances he took maybe a little bit early I'm thinking of the volley that he had mm. maybe could there but he's just desperate for that first goal isn't it, well not first goal but you know what I mean to get break this run Um so yeah, yeah I'm hoping that he can give it one more game of just leaving maybe focusing more on the chaos, less on the finishing um, yeah. and then then could see him go on a run after that
2: Yeah and no, I was going to say mean, obviously he's going to be uh, just the latest news is that he's, he's going to be joined in that department by was it Cody Gakpo as well which looks like it's going to be yeah very exciting, unexpected to be honest but excited um, Exciting addition. Uh so yeah, I'm mean, gonna take a little bit of the pressure off him as a uh, there'd be another, another new face to sort of pile on I'm sure. Um just the last thing before we do wrap up, I mean I was looking just looking at sort of the, uh, the the next few fixtures for Leicester, sort of Fulham, uh Forest, uh, Brighton, Villa, uh, and then, then it gets a bit harder obviously around uh start of February, Tottenham United, Arsenal. Um obviously those those first few fixtures are you, you imagine are going to be quite important to try and get some points on the board ahead of the harder ones what are your expectations then for the rest of the season at, at this stage and how much i suppose hinges on uh, what business has done this month
0: um yeah
3: i mean yeah the the transfer window is is going to be very very important um but i think that Football is such a emotive thing. You, you have one bad result, and don't get me wrong, the result against Newcastle was bad. We were we were very poor, but we've not become a terrible side overnight. We've still got good players within the squad, um, and we are capable of winning football matches. It's not like we've just completely capitulated. So I think when you're watching it, you're sort of hoping that actually, you know, you know you've won, you you, you hadn't lost in seven before you have a bad performance against. Newcastle down to some pretty horrendous individual areas if they can cut that out against the sides as you mentioned the likes of Fulham Forest and Villa then realistically you've got to be aiming to win those games it'd be really nice to have some reinforcements and get some get some strength in into the squad bit of a refresh Um, but if we can win three or two or three of those games then we you know the, the pressure's taken off you and you You've impacted the size around you, and and we can stop looking over our shoulder as much as we are at the moment. So they're massive games in the context of the season, because you're right. You just actually, you saying that just made me think. Oh, how bad is our run in February? Um, Spurs, United, Arsenal, Chelsea, all within four games. So that'll be um <laughs> that's going to be a bloody nightmare. Um, so we need to get some points on the board before then. It so it's a, a January is a very very important month.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Uh... So. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds, especially sort of which, which new faces will arrive through the door as well. But Jamie, thanks, thanks so much for coming on uh, again during this, uh, uh, undefined time of year. Um, I appreciate you coming <laughs> on and sort of giving us your thoughts on sort of where Leicester are, sort of dis- dispelling a couple of myths for us as well.
3: No problem. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to talk
2: to you. Appreciate it. And, um, to all those who listening in again, I'm not, I'm sure you're doing this over some sort of leftovers, uh, or whatever you're your diet currently consists of but um there will be another pod uh right at the start uh of, first of all, first game of the, of the new year of course um for the game uh, away to brentford on the second of january so yeah do look out for another episode of uh of rivalry con then uh but in the meantime you'll no doubt have seen quite a lot of content around one cody gagpo uh who seems to be sort of set to make his uh arrival at uh at Anfield soon, so um, do check out all those um uh, pods uh, focusing on him and what he's going to bring to the side. And I'm sure there might be, a, hopefully, might be a couple other pods on some uh, some other new arrivals. Maybe maybe a fabled midfielder. We'll see. But uh, yeah, between now and then, uh, do check out all those pods. But we'll be back again ahead of the Brentford game on January 2nd.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically